0: Today's episode of the Roger Hoover Podcast is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And the Roger Hoover Podcast is proud to be part of the River City Rogue Podcast Network. For the best local blogs, vlogs, and podcasts on sports culture and entertainment, head to RiverCityRogue.com. Bold views from the bold city and beyond. I'm Roger Hoover, and welcome to this episode of the Roger Hoover Podcast. I'm recording this on Thursday, August 10th, 2017, here in gorgeous Jacksonville, Florida, where tonight, here at the baseball grounds of Jacksonville, the Jumbo Shrimp will start the second part of their homestand. They just hosted the Birmingham Barons for what turned out to be only four games because of a rainout on Tuesday. Yesterday was an off day, and now tonight, the Jumbo Shrimp start a very important five-game series with Mississippi. Some good news for the Jumbo Shrimp, we only have 26 games left to go this season, and Jacksonville is only a half game out of first place, so very exciting to see that for the Jumbo Shrimp as they are well within striking distance, and we still have a long way to go. It almost feels like it's a very short time to go when you think about all the games that the Jumbo Shrimp have played and only a handful are left, but still a lot can happen over the next few weeks, so it's going to be very interesting to see how everything goes. I want to say a big thank you to everyone that listened to the podcast and a lot of you I know for the very first time got to hear a podcast episode in our last episode with Brittany Wagner from Last Chance You, the popular Netflix series. I was really blown away by how many people were able to listen to the episode within hours of it, even uh, being available on SoundCloud or through iTunes through the podcast app. So I just want to say thank you to everyone that made it a point to listen to that episode. I thought Brittany was fantastic and really the level of insight she gave all of us about her day-to-day, what her life was like at East Mississippi Community College, and also what her mission is now that she's gained this fame and recognition from Last Chance U. And what she's doing with 10,000 Pencils I think is terrific, and a lot of people around the country are now getting her services and getting help like she was able to help so many of those football players at East Mississippi. But I thank you for listening, and again, those are the conversations that we like to have, and we'll be getting some more cool conversations like that coming up. But today, I wanted to get to this episode with Jack McKeon. He and I recorded this originally for the Jumbo Shrimp Network back in May. It's been an interview that I have played a lot whenever we've had a really long rain delay, uh, because it is a lengthy interview with Jack McKeon, somebody that I've interviewed before, and before, a couple years ago, I really went through all the basics of his career every single stop, and in this interview... We talk more about what's going on in baseball today. What is he seeing today, especially in his role as a special assistant to the Miami Marlins owner and going around the Marlins system and seeing the young Marlins and what they're learning before they make it to the major league level. And as you'll hear in this interview, he's got a lot of opinions on what's going on and what the future should be for the Miami Marlins organization, really just baseball. It's not just the Marlins organization. He's really focused on what baseball should look like in the long term. So, very cool to sit down with Jack McKeon who is again the special assistant to the owner for the Miami Marlins. It's interesting that I released the episode today when the Mississippi Braves are back in town because we recorded this interview in May when Mississippi was in town as well and that meant it was a matchup of the managers Randy Reddy for the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp and Luis Salazar for the Mississippi Braves and once again they get to manage against each other and as you'll hear in this interview Jack McKeon got to manage both of them and he got to really wheel them and him in some trades and of course we even talk about the nickname Trader Jack just a little bit but again my interview today is with the Miami Marlins special assistant to the owner and the 2003 world champion manager Jack McKeon Roger Hoover, now joined by the special assistant to the Miami Marlins owner, Jack McKeon, who's in town getting his first look this year at the Jacksonville Chumbo Shrimp. And Trader Jack, how you doing? Welcome back to Jacksonville.
1: Thank you. It's always nice to go back to Jacksonville. It's nice nice weather all the time. Yep, walking in from the hotel to the ballpark, so it's pretty nice. That's
0: a pretty good setup, isn't it? Yeah, it's real good. <laughs> well, what have you thought of the ball club so far?
1: Well, it's tough. You know, you, you, I've seen some of these guys. There's a lot of players I really haven't seen in the past, you know, some I've had the opportunity to see growing up in Greensboro or Jupiter. and Now I come into Jacksonville, and there's not many on this club that I that I recognize. Uh, some some I'm seeing for the first time.
0: And do you like uh, getting to see the guys in spring training and then, when you go around the organization, kind of check up and see how yeah. the progress
1: is? Well, that's what I say. You know, with guys like uh, Anderson and Ola and uh, Perez, I've seen them in spring training. And I've seen some of the other guys a little bit, but not, you know, just a game, a game here or there. but Nothing, you know, to study. I don't pay much attention to spring training, of, of trying to evaluate anybody. Because everybody's, you know, trying to get in shape. You're seeing pitchers go out there, major league pitchers uh, throwing 85, 86, trying to make it command and work on their stuff. And some of these young guys come in and tear them up, you know, and they say, oh boy, well, they won't get excited. <laughs> I, said, I said, the worst place to judge anybody is spring training in the last, uh, in September.
0: So when you were a major league manager, how often would you go to the backfields and see the players that would be at maybe the single A, or double A level, and kind of just kind of have that first glance at and kind of have in the back of your mind what they can well, do? Well,
1: not not too often, because, you know, in spring training, you know, you start, your, you start your exhibition games and you start spring training in February, and the rest of those guys, the minor leaguers, come in in March, except for maybe a handful of special guys that have come in, uh, but occasionally you'll get a chance to, you know... Uh, Bring somebody over from the minor leagues during the exhibition season and get a look at them. But like I like I said, it's 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 not fair to to judge those guys. Just like I I don't like to come out and look at your Jacksonville team or the Greensboro team or those. I like to see them. Let them play a month. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see guys here the opening series. I mean, come on. You know, you make your mind up there and you see a guy go bad. And I had that happen. You know, I was, when I went to, a few years back, we had Coglin. Coglin was at Greensboro, and I started to, and of course I only live about 25 miles, so, sure. it's, so it's easy to go over there, and anytime I want to get out of the house, I go over there. So I go over in April, and first 15, 20 games, he's terrible. Wow. Then I go back about a month and a half or two months later, and he's a big licker. Just so happens that's, you know, that's where it's not fair to, to make a quick judgment early.
0: You mentioned a couple of guys on the roster, Brian Anderson and Austin Nola. I wanted to ask you about Nola making the transition from being a shortstop to now a catcher and having to learn being a catcher every day at the AA level. Just what kind of transformation is it like that? Have you seen something similar to that before?
1: Oh, I have seen a lot of guys do that before. You know, no, no problem. He's getting, he's had some good, uh, you know, experience in spring training catching a lot of games, and now he's catching almost every day up here. And it depends. Now, uh, uh, where are you going to? you developing this guy as a, a backup catcher or you, or a utility player like barnes we had that mm-hmm. you know that Barnes, uh, that's great 25th man in the club but uh, you know it's not that easy to come back here and just uh, sit behind the plate for one year and think you're going to rise to the big leagues
0: yeah it is, definitely is a very it, tough takes, transition. it takes
1: it takes it takes a while
0: well, you're back in Jacksonville, and you were telling me yesterday that you've been coming to this area for a long time, but even back for spring training.
1: Oh, yeah. Pretty close by. Yeah. Where well, was I sp- that? I, sp- I spring trained in Fernandina Beach back in the, oh, let's see, in the 50s.
0: What club were you with?
1: I was with the Minnesota Twins or the Washington Senators was at that time, and we trained over at Fernandina Beach, and, you know, it was terrible. Now I've, I've been back there to look around since then, and they really... You know, renovated that place looks decent. <laughs> but when we were there, that was terrible. I mean, a, no beach. Even, you though know, he said Fernandina Beach, yeah, there's yeah. no it beach. Was just Fernandina. Yeah, that was uh, something.
0: <laughs> well, what do you remember about Jacksonville in those days?
1: Uh, not much. The only time we'd get out of the, you know, out of the For- uh, Fernandina Beach area, we'd run over here to the race tr- to the dog track here at, uh, at Jacksonville. That'd be about the only, or go to the airport. That would be about it.
0: And then you had a lot of time coming up through the minor leagues as well uh, and getting to learn coaching. Are there some things that, even in your coaching career in the minor leagues, some lessons that were learned by you then that players need to know that are still applicable now?
1: Well, you know, I was talking to the the sports writer the other night, Vito, uh, about how the the difference in today's game. I said, you know, when I broke in, you didn't have – you had a manager. That was it. Mm -hmm. You had no trainer. Uh, no coach, no clubhouse guys. You did your own laundry. You, you bought your own sanitary socks. You bought your, all, your own bats. They allowed you about a half a dozen bats for the year, and the rest of them, you went to the drugstore and bought them. But uh, the difference to that was we would always, let's say, for example, you're playing at Jacksonville. Maybe I play Jacksonville. We might have three or four or five guys come back from that same team that played here last year, where it was some continuity, where the people, the fans got to know these guys and loved them. And then there was older veteran guys. And we as youngsters, 18, 19 years old, we learned from the veteran players how to play the game. And, and we also had veteran managers that had managed, had played in the big leagues and managed a number of years. And you know, the guys, when I started out, we had, I had Frank Oziak was an older fella. Wes Griffith had to be in the 60s. Uh, 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 Walt Tosher a pitcher, had to be in 50 or 60 years old. And those guys would talk you about the little things of of playing the game. Of don't make the third out here. Or, uh, throw the curveball here, or this or that. But I mean, and talk about the spitballs and stuff <laughs> like that. But you learned from those guys because they were so dedicated in teaching you how to play the game. You know, get the guy over today. Or, for example, uh, we used to have a rule there, and, we and I used it in the big when we won the World Series. Anytime you're behind by two runs, and you're leading off the eighth, seventh, eighth inning, you're taking. You're taking mm-hmm. a strike yeah. until you become the tying run. Well, today they were swinging 3-0 pitches, they're five runs down, 3-0 they're swinging. But that's the difference today. Uh, you know, you've got all kinds of coaches. Today, It's robots. I always believed in letting guys use their imagination instead of trying to tell them everything what to do. Figure out some things yourself. How to run the bases. You go from first to third, you get thrown out. Why? Uh, You get picked off first base. Why? Uh, You made a bad play in the outfield, you threw the ball home, guy took second base. Why? You know, so you you made your mistakes, but you profited. And that was the way we learned the game. And that's the way I teach it. I teach from the head up. I don't teach from the, the, forget the the fundamentals of the bat, the hitting, hitting and pitching. Hey, work from the neck up.
0: And also with that, you talk about all the kind of numbers and stats and things like that. Even in your two stints as the Marlins manager from 03 to 05, and then when you came back uh, in 2011 to take over the ball club, you had to be amazed about how much more statistics were in the game in 2011 as opposed to 03.
1: Well, look at today. Yeah, even more so now. If you you go interview for a job today and they mention analytics and you say you're not interested, oh, you don't get the job. So if you're smart, you going and say, "Oh yeah, I'm great. Analytical. I'm a great computer guy. I never I
0: don't
1: mess with the computer, but I'd say, "Oh yeah, I can handle that computer.." Everything. <laughs> but that's just like I was talking the other night. The big deal now is the shifts. We're going on analytics that said the shifts here. And I've watched the games the last 10 days where the shift got the, the club got beat because of the shift, where they hit through the shift, where the <laughs> guy would normally be double play ball, it's a base hit. But no one gives you the stats of how many games you lost or how many games you di- how many plays you didn't make when you had that shift on. It's easy when you see uh, when you get greedy guys up there, uh, and, and that that's another thing that really irks me is the desire of of the players, some of the players today, especially in the big leagues, that have the opportunity. You're in a you're in a nothing nothing game, or you're in a one run game, or you're ahead by a run, or behind by a run, or tied. And you're hearing the seventh or eighth inning, and here they sh- the left-handed hitter, and they shift everybody. They got everybody over on the right side. Here's from second base to third base, wide open. You think anybody would just say, "Hey, I'm gonna get on, bump one over there and get?" Mm-hmm. uh-uh. no, they're gonna see how they're, gonna, they're gonna <laughs> hurt their pride, man. They gotta go and be greedy right. and make it out. But you know, that's that's I, I don't I don't go for that stuff. I don't believe it. I think the I think the shifting is overrated. And I think in time you'll see that it's not as successful as everybody wants it to make it to be.
0: This is an interesting series because you have Mississippi and Jacksonville, of course, <coughs> but you have Randy Reddy, manager in one dugout, <coughs> Luis Salazar, the manager in the other dugout, and you got to manage both of those guys. Plus the pitching coach. Plus the pitching coach, yeah.
1: Thorne <laughs> <Lord> Davis, yeah. <laughs> so, <coughs> could you... I traded for him. I traded for him. Right. And I traded them. I, I traded for them. They played for me, and I traded them. Trader Jack and I traded him back, <laughs> and I got Salazar back three times, <coughs> two times traded him three times, got him back twice. Good guys, both of them were good guys.
0: Yeah, what can you tell me about those guys as players? And did you ever think that maybe they would go into coaching later on?
1: Well, you know, you know, it's hard to tell. I thought maybe Randy would. I don't know, didn't know about Louis, but uh, since I've you know seen him in, in, in the managing uh, ranks, uh, I think he's done an outstanding job. I, I saw him over at. Uh, at um, at Danville one year, and then over at Lynchburg. I got a chance to visit him over there. And I've seen him in spring training, but I, they're very, very intelligent players. Now, Louie was a outstanding third baseman and also center fielder. I mean, he could, he could I used to play him third base and defense him in center field, or he'd be in the outfielder, come in and defense him at third base. He was, he had a great arm, good kid. Randy, uh, Randy was a kind of utility type player. He could play anywhere, he was a scrapper. Uh, go-getter, you thought that the, he had the, the, the make-up to be a decent manager.
0: Yeah, and that's going to help him. You know, mentioned a utility <laughs> player, he can really talk to everybody on that field yeah. about how to play the game the right way.
1: Yeah, and it was good. He was a good player. He was a good team player, and uh, he knew how to play the game. Both of them didn't, and that's the thing that, you know, I was um, uh, watching the game oh, I can't think it was just the other night, or listening to the game one of the two, and was runners on first and second. And one of the big stars, one of the big hitters on this particular major league team, first and second be out, he bunts on his own, gets the guys over the second, third. The guy gets, next guy up gets the base hit. Now, how many guys are you going to see that do that today? None of me. Paz Rodriguez used to do it all the time for me. Yeah. I never put the bun on. And if You would be broadcasting the game say, oh, you can't see him bunting him over. I didn't have to. He did it. He yeah. said, hey, I, I got a chance. He knew the game that I got well. had a chance to win the game here. Yeah. And this is why, this is why, when I talk about the 2003 World uh, Series champion Florida Marlins, that was the, the thing that really impressed me. That was uh, I managed 17 years in the big leagues, and of all the years, that was the most unselfish team I ever had. If I put the bun on for Jeff Conine, the guy had been in the big leagues 15 years, he bunted. Mike Lowell, they bunted. Pudge, they bunted. Uh, and did all the little things even if i didn't put something on they thought that they should do this they did it on the room they didn't care they they just wanted to win and pl- we played little ball today they the bunt looks like it's out of order first and second mm-hmm. it anymore. i don't want to hurt this guy's feelings oh have him bun oh he's a power hitter
0: that's uh, right
1: get <laughs> it man You don't win that way.
0: Right. You mentioned the 03 Florida Marlins World Champion Ball Club. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about them. When I've talked to some other people that have won championships, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, the one thing they always say about the championship teams is they trusted each other more than anything else. And I think you just spoke to that with the unselfishness. You saw that in that club? Yeah.
1: Absolutely. They did all the little things. The little things won ball games. I never forget I had a club I had a meeting one time. We wouldn't take a walk. They're swinging everything. And I, I got all over about it. I said, you know, the, the big innings be, come because of walks. And you guys won't take a walks. Well, this was the 11th team. And <laughs> and our and, and, and and Ramirez he, he yeah. wouldn't take anything. <laughs> but I had this big meeting. And, and during the ball game, we had three or four walks. He's up with the bases loaded. He walks, scores the winning run. I said, now you see? Was he, he was, he, but today, you watch here. You broadcast every night. You watch. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. keep this the rest of the year. Just watch what so I'm going to tell you. You watch when the count goes 2-0 and oh and 3-1. and one. They are swinging, regardless of where it's at. And what's going to happen? Open your window here, and you'll catch this foul ball.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. And you catch
1: that foul <laughs> ball. And here comes the 3-2 pitch right down the middle, and they take it. I used to have... A, I had a deal with my coach, uh, Bill Robinson, who was my hitting coach. And I got so tired of seeing that, and I said, okay, I'll tell you what to do. Count come up, two and oh. all. I'll bet you a dollar he swings. So we made a deal. I give him a dollar every time, I, I get a dollar every time I'm right. Every time I'm wrong, I give him five. At the end of the season, i weighed made $187. <laughs> 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 That's pretty good. Three and one, swing. And I tell That's it to sweet. people like that, and, laugh and they laugh. You watch tonight. I definitely will. College the same way. Yeah. They all think that the 2 and all 3-1 and one is going to be right down the middle. And I, I was a pitcher. In fact, many times I had a meeting with my team. and t- You know, if I pitched against you guys, I'd throw two balls out of the strike zone, and I'd come in with a changeup, and you'd, I'd pop you up. I'd get you out. And I would. But, you know, my philosophy and, and, and thought process: We don't teach the how to win and how to play the game the right way from the rookie league up, so that when you get here, you don't they know how to play the game. But now you're teaching. No, everybody now today's today's game is: see how far you can hit it and see how fast you can throw it. And if you got a great arm and you don't don't make a difference where you walk, everybody just throw 100 miles an hour. I was down in Florida <coughs> a couple of years ago. We had this pitcher named Varus. They had just traded for him. Oh, boy, and he committed relief. Wow! 97. Wow! 98. Whoa, boy! 99. Wow! I said, What's the count? It's three and all. <laughs> I said, Well, what good is the 87, 80, 89 That's 90. not the game, yeah. yeah. No. <laughs>
0: That's incredible. Well, what do you like about your role now with the Marlins uh, that you've been able to be the special Well, I like to go around of, and evaluate
1: yeah. guys, and you know, and listen. They sometimes they listen to me, sometimes they don't because I I, I like to be honest. I mean, you know, I'm not a I'm not a kind of guy that there's certain people in baseball today that are, that are positive on everybody. Everybody's a great player, but you got to be honest with your organization. I don't care if he's the number one pick and he can't pitch. I tell you, they want to hear that right i mean no organization wants to hear that but i mean that's it's one thing i liked about jeffrey loria one thing he called me (coughs) he said i always know i can get the i get an honest opinion out of you there's no bs That's always good to see.
0: Well, this organization had uh, a really unfortunate circumstance happen uh, late September last year yeah. with the patch of passing away of Jose Fernandez. Now that we've had a little bit of time from that, and you've been able to see how the Marlins were able to respond the day after all wearing the Fernandez jerseys, Dee Gordon gets the home <coughs> run, they get a good win. Are you really proud of the way the organization handled such a tough circumstance? Oh, like I, thought,
1: that? I thought they did a tremendous job. I was down at the funeral, and and the way that they handled it, Three or four day period was outstanding. How they brought not only the organization together, but almost the whole town of Miami or the whole South Florida was, was, was brought together because of that. But the, the way the class that the Marlins put on that uh, funeral w- was outstanding. And it brought the guys together because I think what it did, it made the players on that team realize that they really, the organization, cared about somebody. Despite, you know, what, what, what happens afterwards or mm-hmm. why, why he, he he got in that situation. But, you know, he was a good guy. He was really a guy. He brought a lot of energy to that ball club. He had a passion for winning. I mean, that's the first time I saw him in Greensboro. You know, everybody said, oh, boy, what a, what a draft we made. I said, if anybody saw this guy as a high school player and didn't recognize him as a premium big leaguer, they, they can't scout. I mean, you know, there's, there's no. You go to Greensboro, and this is another thing. That, you know, when I, when I, go out here and evaluate people, and they say, well, what? Is, is any prospects? I said, let me tell you. Oh, at Greensboro, they don't have any Fernandes. They don't have any Stantons. <laughs> they don't have any Elliches. Yeah. They don't have any Remy mm-hmm. So now, when you go and you see those guys, and now you bring a new crop in, you cannot, you can evaluate them on what the major liquors.
0: Mm-hmm. And what they looked like yeah, at those levels. Look like. Yeah, what they
1: looked like. Yeah. But it's it's fun to go out there, and I like to get to get with them. I, I don't like to go down to the clubhouse. Now, I always, I never have. I didn't appreciate when I was in, managing in the big leagues, people coming in all the time, buzzing, bugging you, and scouts all coming in, and oh yeah, <laughs> wanted to get around these players and put their stamp on them, and coaches. And and ever since that, I just stay away. You know, I had Michael down say hello to Randy one time, and. And get out of here. But I ain't gonna be down in the clubhouse. In fact, I haven't been down there yet. Not that you don't. I just that I always felt that this is the manager's domain, mm-hmm. it's not everybody else in this organization's domain. Stay out of it. Second of all, you don't want to go down there and think, have the manager or a young guy think you're second guessing them all the time too. Sure.
0: <laughs> <coughs> well, you mentioned you be able to see uh, the Greensboro club. Some any uh, prospects that excite you on yeah, the like, ball club? I yeah, like,
1: I like a few guys. I think we got some prospects down lower. I don't know. Um, I like the kid Nelson, the third baseman for uh, for Greensboro, and I like the, uh, the second baseman uh, over at uh, at uh, Jupiter. And uh, little kid Nap, they got a, the outfielder mm-hmm. Nap, and they got a kid named Barrett. They can the guys that can run. They just need to play a little bit. I don't want to anoint them as big liggers yet, but you know they're they're interesting guys, and uh, they got some talent. And there's some pitches. I like this kid King, and I like this kid Garrett, the number one pick. Mm-hmm. I like him. Have you seen him already? Yeah, I saw him um, his first game. And uh, um, there's a few guys. I just can't remember all their names. But uh, there's, a, there's a number of guys up there that are, are going to be about a year, year and a half away from being here in Jacksonville. But they're interesting players.
0: Well, how often do you make it to Miami? during the year? Oh,
1: I was, I was there twice. Well, I go to spring training for about six weeks. right? And then I was down there um, a couple weeks ago. I went to Jupiter in Miami. And uh, then I'm going back uh, for the all-star game. I'm gonna be one the uh, part of that thing with the legends thing. That's great. And then um, I go down there about four or five times. A lot of times I'll hit Jupiter in, in Miami or Jacksonville in Miami. But this time I, I, they're on the road, so I'm not going back down there. But it's it's interesting to get out and see the kids, and you know, spring training I get an opportunity to visit with them a little bit. They know who I am, and you know, you run across a few that want to talk. Great, but I don't try to push myself on them or try to get in the in the way of what the instructors are teaching. This is the thing that irks me a lot. Is that you got a pitching coach in. Jacksonville and all of a sudden here comes the coordinator in and, and the guy's been working with this guy all the time and here comes a coordinator in, and this is not our organization mm-hmm. this right. is everybody. Here comes the coordinator and he's going to change him right away ain't seen him but two or three times I don't like that, right, you know <laughs>
0: Well, the Big League Club has had a tough go over the last few weeks. As a manager, what's the challenge of keeping everybody in a positive state of mind, even though sometimes the results aren't going like you'd like on the field?
1: Well, the biggest thing I had was always going in and having a meeting and just tell them, let's have fun, guys. Hey, squad, enjoy yourself. Play the game. Play the game the right way. Leave your, e- leave your egos at the door. If they left their egos at the door, which I told them in three, leave your egos at the door, and that's what helped develop that unselfishness. They didn't come in here worrying about who was going to be the star tonight or, or take it. And I also told them, that, you know, I'm going to make changes. I'm not I'm not interested. I'm not worried about you hurting your feelings. I'm interested in winning. Right. And I've taken guys out with three balls and no strikes and the base is loaded.
0: <coughs> Middle of your bet.
1: Bases <laughs> loaded. Philadelphia. We're ahead of 10-8. Bottom of the eighth. I got this pitcher out there and they sit and he walked the next two. Well, the second guy walked out there and said, You throw the ball over the plate, or I'll get somebody else. And here he goes. Three and all. Time. Benikis, come on in. Strike one. Foul ball. Strike three. Two outs.
0: Right.
1: Next guy pops up. We win the game 10 to 8. can't worry about hurting you. I can't worry about hurting you. I've taken Randy showed out of a game. Two and all. He didn't like it. Two. Hey. Come in and see me. I can't worry about hurting your feelings. I'm worried about winning the game. And we win them. Yeah. If so I let do. him piss, if I let him walk that guy, that's 10 to nine, one out. Next guy gets a sacrifice fly or a base hit, and we're beat. Ain't gonna have, If we're gonna get beat, we're gonna get beat by the guy coming in. But, you know, it, it's easy. Because I've been through it so many years and managed so many times. I've made all the mistakes. And I know. And a lot of managers today worry about what what you're going to say on the radio or what the newspaper guy's going to write uh, as far as strategy. And if I got a left handed pitcher in the bullpen and if my guy's in trouble and I got a left handed hitter up there and I stick with my guy or I bring in the right hander and they'll say, I had hey, a left hander warming up and brought in a right hander. <laughs> I always made the right move but the players didn't execute (laughs) that's right players play yeah (laughs) they gotta execute it's like I said bringing that guy in with the three and oh yeah the guy executed I was sure good (laughs) but sometimes you know guys worry about it I know remember Dick Williams Dick was uh, managing for us and he always used to love this guy named Dane Orge and when we are playing the Cardinals and dana Orange, they bring him in the pinch hit, man. He'd make a pitch change right away for this guy. So he, was, he had beat him a few times. Mm-hmm. So I make a trade, I get him. I say, He's your guy. hey my guy, it's your guy.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> you made the trade, yeah. yeah it's my guy now. <laughs> that is so good.
1: so much, you know. Was, I, I can't complain. I've had a great life, had a great career.
0: Yeah, as we kind of wrap things up, what are you most proud of when you look back in your career? Is it the World Championship or Well is that's the moments I maybe two. We didn't I got see?
1: I got really got two. first one is I involved twice in the World Series. Put the team together in San Diego, taking a team that was never never had a five hundred record. And I was working for Ray Kroc. Mm-hmm. And I came out as a general man no experience whatsoever as a general manager. I was a manager all those years and they brought me in as vice president and and assistant general manager, and they fired the general manager in midseason and said, I want you to take over here, but you're not going to get the job. It's just going to be on an interim yeah, basis. Yeah. Uh, okay, I knew I was going to get the job, because I knew I was going to do the job. So I started wheeling the dealing and making trades, and the club started to move up the ladder. That's how I got the nickname Trader J.
0: Did you have like a mentor in mind as a GM, or was there somebody you no, kind of, or just, you're just how you felt about the game? I was
1: making trades. right? When I was managing in the minor leagues,
0: so you always had a knack for oh, it. Yeah. You feel like, yeah.
1: I had tra- I made trades for Minnesota Twins. I was talking to Vito. You know, you look at your roster. here, You probably got fifty transactions already this mm-hmm. year. Yeah, <laughs> full sheet. Yes. I'm managing in Missoula, Montana, with a 17-man roster for the Minnesota Twins or the Washington Senators at that time. And you get a guy hurt, you call up and let him know he got hurt sorry we don't have anybody to send you yeah you did you did with 16. and that's how you learn uh, i don't know it's different it's a different game i like to have i just like to have the money they make just pay me on the money <laughs> they spend on the transactions
0: <laughs> that's right because it's certainly a lot oh. but yeah you were mentioning you're most proud of a couple world series moments. yeah i won a world series
1: yeah. i put that team together in, in, uh, Ray Kroc said to me when I went out there he said I don't know anything about the game don't ask me just do it and tell me what you've done and that's when I started wheeling and dealing and the club started to make progress and he said how long is it going to take you to get to the World Series I said five years we were bad and we got there in four and the first trade I made was for this guy here Louis. that yeah. was the first trade I made <laughs> and uh, you know I kept patching up And I, my goal was to put an average to above average player in every position. And at that time, the only guy I had was Ozzie Smith. And I needed a catcher. I was gonna build my club. I needed a catcher. I wanted a catcher that I could get for six, seven years. So I went out and I had two guys in mind, Tony Pena or Terry Kennedy. And I tried to get both of them. And the only one I was successful in getting was Terry Kennedy, but I had to pay a lot. Get Raleigh Fingers and Gene Tennis and a few more guys, but I had to overpay. But I learned that from Charlie Finley, managing. Charlie said, sometimes you gotta opay, overpay to get the, the piece that you need. So mm-hmm. I got that done. Then I went and drafted Tony Gwynn and Kevin McReynolds. There's two kids. I traded for Carmelo Martinez, the left fielder. I went and traded Ozzie Smith for two players. Templeton, the shortstop, three players. Templeton, the shortstop, DeLeon, the relief pitcher, and Cesco Lascano. And, uh, I signed Steve Garvey as a free agent, Goose Gosses is a free agent. I traded for Greg Nettles, and we won the pennant.
0: Yeah, how incredible was Garvey's stretch against the Cubs in those games in oh. San Diego?
1: Stuff a legend. Oh, no question. You know, <laughs> here we are down 2 0, getting, I mean, get hammered. We were just, at Wrigley, yeah. Well, we got hammered. And when the fans came out, at 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning and greeted us in the parking lot. And then that night, Garvey hits the home run to Sent us to the final game, and then um, uh, here's uh, Lee Smith warming up Mm in the bullpen. Lee Smith could throw his glove out there, and we're beat. And (laughs) Sutcliffe is pitching, and the president of the club comes over, and I'm sitting behind home plate in my box, and he and it's three to one. He says, it doesn't look good, Jack." He said, "I said no." I said, "Sutcliffe's getting the start to get the ball up. We score a run here. We're gonna go get him." Well, that was when we got the run, and Flannery came in a pinch hit. The ground ball went through, what's his name's, legs the, Leon Durham's Leon Durham. leg. Yep. Tony Gwynn was up, hits went up the alley. Before you know it, we're ahead six or seven to four. We're in the pennant. And Lee Smith never got in. Yeah. <laughs> never got in the game. And that's why, <coughs> you know, I was watching our game the other night, and uh, the Dodgers bring in Jansen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know all – shouldn't say all oh, you guys, but all the radio announcers. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, you know, this guy, uh, five, five, uh, five, pitch, uh, five out uh, relief job, you know, I don't know. <laughs> uh, gossip and Eckersley, you did that all oh, the Bruce time. Bruce Suter, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah That's no, what they problem. made their money on, yeah. And what he was in, he strikes out the whole five guys. Yeah. But sometimes enough, yeah. you got, see, this is my flash. You got to bring in your best guy maybe in the seventh inning.
0: Yeah, to get those out. To yeah. get
1: them out, or otherwise you don't need them.
0: Right. Ninth inning doesn't matter at that no, point. No, no, it ain't going
1: on. Oh, Mike took over in eleven. I said, uh, I said, uh, get Nunez up. Oh, oh, this is seventh, two thousand and a seven. Mm-hmm. Let's get Nunez up. Oh no, he, 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 can't, he He's he the can't, closer. Yeah. yeah he, can, he can't, he <laughs> can't, p- he can't pitch but one. He got to come in. I said, he can't pitch over one inning. I said, get his tail up, and we'll find out what he can pitch one or. <laughs> But that's, you make these decisions with no no background. That's, you know, it's the way the game. Everybody, mm-hmm. Everybody's wanting to protect yourself. You you you're going to have, you know, people say, wow, oh, McKeon, he was a cocky guy. Yeah, I was cocky. I wasn't cocky. I was confident. Right. There's the no difference between cocky and confident. I was sure. confident. I knew what I was doing.
0: Well, Cub fans must give you a hard time, because oh, yeah. you're part of the two, two most heartbreaking yeah. moments ever, 84 and then 2003 yeah. with that great comeback.
1: Oh, that was something. That was something beautiful. That was probably the most exciting game I ever was in.
0: Game six or game seven?
1: The se- uh, six. Yeah, the, the game. The Barking
0: game, yeah. And people always kind of point to that one thing, but <laughs> I mean, your team had to really work hard to get those well, runs in the game after that. The
1: point was, I was on. A, we did a program on, on ESPN or MLB one of the two with Bob Costas and we had Mike Law myself and, and Gonzalez the, mm-hmm. the shortstop that booted the ball
0: Alex Gonzalez
1: yeah, yeah and we were doing this <laughs> that that Bartman stuff and the year or two after Bartman after that thing uh Moses Alou went to the Mets and he came out in the middle of the season and said hey I couldn't have caught that ball right and now and now you know poor poor Bartman's going to get crucified because this the, the show that he put on but um, that was something. But you know, the unique thing about that team, Roger, was, and as I said it, give us an opening, we're coming through. Sure. And we got that opening, and we came
0: through. You came through, and then your bullpen didn't allow anything else to. Uh, a very good Cubs lineup.
1: But another thing, they, they raved oh, uh, Terry Francona, and uh, who was, who, uh, who, was, uh, who managed against him last year? Um, Joe Madden. Yeah. Oh, the how Cubs, they yeah. brought in uh, Chapman and his uh, Right. Uh, Andrew Miller. Yeah. yeah. Go, go look at, go look at the box score of the Cubs series, and see how the guys that won the World Series for me was my starting pitchers because I put them in the bullpen. Beckett, we were down three and one. Three and one. Yeah. Beckett pitch. But no, we're down three and oh. Yeah. Well, it was.
0: Three you were down three and one, then you had that Sunday okay. day game in Miami.
1: That was that was
0: it. I think Beckett started that yeah, game. Yeah,
1: he's the one that pissed the two hitter. Yes. Shut him out.
0: Yeah, that was again that was Now game we five. had okay. then you went to Chicago. That
1: went to Chicago. Now we had a all I had to do was win one, right? We gotta win two. We go to Chicago and say to Rosie to Rosenfield, my pitching coach. <laughs> uh, Beckett had pissed dominating nine innings. Uh shut out. I said we'll use Beckett for an inning or two if we need him. Tuesday. Get him up. <laughs> one inning. Two innings. Let him go on another one. Three innings. And he he keeps f- getting out. Four innings. Yeah. So he pitches 9, takes a day off and comes back at 4. Now we're talking about our guys here today or up in the big leagues. Sure. Uh like firemen. One day on, two days off. Who can't pitch them back to back? Oh, get back to back. These guys all got better. Pavano got better. Uh, uh, Beckett got better. Uh, Penny got better. Penny deserved to be as the, the World Series MVP as mm-hmm. much as Beckett did, and 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 Don Trell. Every one of those guys contributed, and they all kept getting better. The more they pitched, the better they got. And that's the thing that I can't understand today: is why we are limiting guys to pitch. When you have the greater chance of hurting your arm within activity than you do with activity sure but that was johnny saying when he was a coach for me that was his theory and if you look back <coughs> i've managed 17 years in the big leagues 17 years in the minor leagues i've never had a tommy john no kidding no i never oh. had a guy with a real serious arm problem now i pissed him you didn't think about those things those days but you were like no manager is going to deliberately hurt somebody Right now you got forty five pitches out of the game. If you pitch twenty eight pitches in an inning, you got to get out of there. You know he used to tell me to get when the pitcher to get him out. The hitter would tell me when to take the pitcher out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jack, it's been
0: a lot of fun catching up with you. This has been a <coughs> tremendous interview. Um, you gonna come back to Jacksonville later in the year.
1: I hope so. All right, we'll catch yeah. up again then.
0: Yeah, thanks. So All right, much. thanks, okay. Jack. Big thanks to Jack McKeon for spending some time with me. Hopefully I'll get to see him in another few weeks in Miami as I usually head there once the Jumbo Shrimp season is over. Plans are starting to take shape for what's coming up in the fall as I'll still be going back to Tuscaloosa, but I'll have some games there. I'll have some games in Knoxville coming up. It's going to be a busy few weeks as we also put a wrap on the Jumbo Shrimp season. Hopefully the Jumbo Shrimp will continue winning games and get to play into September. I think playoff baseball here on the First Coast would be a lot of fun, certainly the 2014 run. That Jacksonville had that year was at the top of my sportscasting memories. So, hopefully, something similar is only a few weeks away. But coming up, we've got a lot of episodes really to release. I've got really a backlog of some guests I want to get to, whether it's the on air visit I had with Mark Burnell, Jim Furick from earlier in the season. I just recorded an interview earlier this week with one of the top prospects in baseball, Michael Kopek of the Birmingham Barons. I want to get to that conversation. Just really have a lot of different episodes. In going to be released. maybe may even do two a week coming up here over the next few weeks as the baseball season comes to a wrap. But I appreciate all of you listening, subscribing, rating, and reviewing. All of that means a lot to me, and I hope you'll make it if you're in Jacksonville to a Jumbo Shrimp game and kind of see the fun that we've had all season long here at the baseball grounds of Jacksonville. Until next time, play the waltz, Roy. I remember the night and the Tennessee waltz only I have lost Yes, I lost My little darling
1: The night they were Playing that Beautiful
0: can of